Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 78 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is an international star who has been wrestling for 30 years, and he is still at the top of his game. He made his RRH debut back in 2002, the first year of the company's existence, and he is a former Ring of Honor Pure Champion. He is Mr. Doug Williams. Doug, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Kevin. How about yourself? I'm outstanding. And I must say, it really is such a pleasure to have you on this show and uh, really appreciate you for doing this and joining us today. No problem at all. Well, the last time we saw you uh, in Ring of Honor, it was uh, well, it was not quite in Ring of Honor, but it was sort of a Ring of Honor affiliated show. It was the Wrestle Carnival show, which uh, your match against Dean Allmark, it was a pure rules match. It was on ROH week by week, which is still available on our YouTube channel, so you can, everybody listening can check that out. Uh, but that was the first time we'd seen you in ROH since back in 2018, uh, when you faced Silas Young on uh, part of the Honor United tour. So it was okay. great, to, great to see you back. Like I said, sort of in a Ring of Honor ring. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, following very much the, the Ring of Honor Pure Rules, um, officially sanctioned by Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, no, it was good to get in there and, 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 and do that style of match again, you know, um, after so long. Uh, you probably know better than I the last time I did a Pure Rules match. Yeah. I want to say 2004, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a long time. Yeah. I it's think, interesting. Yeah, I think and it's interesting myself, just, just working those kind of matches and making being aware of the rules and making sure that they they are adhered to and you're not you're not doing things, you know, in error. <laughs> right. cause problems, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to certainly talk a lot about uh, pure rules matches in Ring of Honor. Uh, okay. The current scene as well as the past scene, which obviously you were a big part of. But, you know, what a perfect segue. I didn't do that on purpose, but I wanted to <laughs> mention that the, uh, the last time you were booked to be in Ring of Honor – it was uh, last year, and it was part of the Past versus Present show. Yeah. It was uh, to take place in Las Vegas. It was uh, the weekend of our 18th anniversary show. We were going to have shows back-to-back nights, uh, March 13th and 14th. You mm. were supposed to wrestle Jonathan Gresham at Past versus Present. And I don't know. You talk about a, a dream match, certainly a pure rules dream match, but I would say it. I mean, it wasn't a pure rules match. But you talk about just two great pure wrestlers and great technical wrestlers. As, as the great mean Gene Okerlund would say, I mean, holy balls. Like, what a match. What a match that would have been. How disappointing was it for you to not get to work with Gresham? Obviously, the shows were called off because of the pandemic. Uh, because you and John had never, you've never faced each other. Is that, is that correct? You are correct there. We haven't. We've, we've been on shows together in Europe. Um, uh, but no, we've never we've never faced off against each other, and yeah, it was it was I mean, it was it was very very disappointing. Um, I mean, I had all these great ideas. I obviously 
scoured up on on Jonathan and 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 knew how good he was. Um, so I had all these great ideas, and I was really looking forward to the match. So it was a yeah, it was quite a severe blow. Um, you know, just 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 the whole thing being cancelled in itself was bad. But you know, I was really looking forward to that match. Like I like um, I always look forward to working with someone I've never never worked with or wrestled before, but um, who I know is really good. So that really gives me some inspiration when I want to get in there with them. So it was, it was yeah, it wasn't great. But hopefully the time will come around again. Yes. Uh, that's, what, that's what I'm hoping. Hopefully. I think that's a match that uh, it, it just – if the pure wrestling gods have any say, that match has to happen. Yeah. And I just think it does. It, it, um, it's, um, I think he's scheduled to be in England this weekend as well. Yes. And, uh, again – Fate was not on my side because I was asked to be on that show against him, but I was already booked somewhere else. So, uh, damn it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, just building up anticipation, right, for, for when the inevitable – I do think it's inevitable that, uh, you know, circumstances, uh, you know, hopefully work out. You know, who knows what's going to go on in the future with the pandemic, but it looks like things are moving in, the, in a positive direction. We're seeing travel restrictions uh, being lifted. So, you know, fingers yeah. crossed that, that that can happen. But, you know, speaking of the, of the whole craziness of, of um, that weekend, uh, the, the anniversary weekend where we had to uh, cancel the two shows, I've talked to yeah. so many people on this show about um, what that weekend was like. You, you know, some people made it there um, and mm. then found out once they got there that there was no show. Uh, some people were about to board a plane and then got a mm. call from the office not to come. What was your experience? Well, it was interesting because my uh, I was waiting for my passport to come back from the embassy with my visa in it, um, and I originally scheduled to fly out on the Thursday and arrive on you know arrive Thursday night, um, but my passport hadn't arrived by Wednesday, so I said to the office, "Better you change my flight to the Friday." Um, uh, because I'm guaranteed to have my passport by then. So they did that. Um, and that was kind of lucky in that had I, had I, left, had I managed to get the flight on Thursday, I'd have, I'd have flown out there to no avail. But what happened as it was, I went to bed on, on Thursday night, not knowing whether the show was cancelled or not, and woke up early on Friday morning, um, prepared to leave the airport, and I got a message from the office saying, you know, the show is definitely cancelled, don't board your flight. So um, it saved me needless travel, but um, yeah, it was unfortunate. Unfortunate for those who did fly out there, I know. Yeah, I don't know if you know about uh, Slex's story, but Slex unfortunately flew in from Australia and then oh, found, wow. out, found out once he got to Las Vegas that there was going to be no show and, and literally had to get on a, on a, a flight back to Australia. Uh, because obviously he didn't know what was going on. He didn't want to get stuck in the States. He has family. Um, yeah. So yeah. That was a long, that was a long uh, round, round trip for Slex. <laughs> yeah. That's like two days, probably yeah. three days of his life, you know? <laughs> exactly. Just traveling. Wow. Wow. Well, let, me, oh, let, me, well. let me get back to Jonathan Gresham for a second. And uh, yeah. I don't know how closely uh, you've been following the ring of honor scene uh, since he won the pure, tournament last year but uh he was pretty he's been pretty amazing i mean i'm you probably are aware he just uh, lost the championship to josh woods at death before dishonor last yeah. month but how much of jonathan's uh title reign did you 
get to see and just what are your thoughts on what you were seeing from Gresh? Um, I mean, I'll be totally honest with you, Kevin. I, don't, I, I, I probably didn't see, I haven't seen very much at all of his title reign. Um, I did read about it a lot because I tend to read results and show reviews rather than watch all I can. Just purely because I don't have the time to watch <laughs> everything I want to watch. You know? Sure. And, um, you know, all the reviews, all the write-ups, you know, fans' responses, those sort of things, just, um, you know, all sounded tremendous and made, made and um, uh, really put, I think, brought the reputation of the pure title back to, to how it was back in the early 2000s. Um, he set, the, I think, yeah, the benchmark. He set the benchmark for what it should be, definitely, um, from, from, from what I read. And um, I know... If I get to face him again, I'll de definitely be uh, going out of my way to check, check out those matches, I think, uh, and see them for myself. Um, but yeah, just purely due time. I wish I, I wish I could watch everything that I, that I want to watch. But you know what it's like, Kevin, life, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Not enough hours in the day. That's for darn sure. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. Very true. Well, there's some some big news uh, that came out uh, recently about about Gresh, and that's that you know he's been so identified with the pure division uh, naturally. He was the one who was really instrumental in uh, in bringing back the pure division and having mm. the championship uh, resurrected after 14 years. But since losing the title to Josh Woods, Gresham has announced that he is joining the Ring of Honor World Title Division. Uh, okay. He said that he thinks that the championship is in good hands with Josh Woods. He believes it's time to, in his words, fulfill his destiny and become the Ring of Honor World Champion and, and sort of purify uh, the World Championship. I wanted to ask you, though, your opinion. Uh, I think everyone knows how good Gresham is now. It seems like for a lot of years he was, he was underappreciated. What are your thoughts on a guy who is Gresham's height? And I only bring it up because I'm sure it was, he's been told many times throughout his career that you're too short or too small to be a world champion or a main event guy. Yet here he is right on the precipice of that. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on a guy, uh, his size sort of maybe being told no for a long time. And now it seems like he's broken through that glass ceiling and is a legitimate world title contender. I don't really think size has got too much to do with it. Um, if you're a if you're a fantastic athlete um, and you're an excellent wrestler and uh, you know you, you've got character, you've got you can you can relate to and identify with the fans uh, and you can get yourself over. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. It, it's what you do when you're in the ring. And uh, in terms of Jonathan, then he's definitely got the uh, the ability to, to to take that spot. Um, I'll be interested to see if he changes up his style slightly. Um, I imagine he would a little bit. Um, just, you know, for nothing more than to separate his career going for the world title away from what he did in, pure, in the Pure Championship. You know, he's to kind of separate it out a little bit and, and, and show, show people that he has stepped up his game. He has brought some new, you know, some, uh, he has brought some new things to the table, so to speak. Um, but I don't know. Especially nowadays, especially in the modern era, size is not is not a huge factor anymore um, for for getting that main event status. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think back to maybe, um, you know, prior generations in in wrestling, how many, uh, you know, quote unquote, smaller guys never really got the opportunities, you know, really talented guys never got those opportunities just because of perception that you had to be a certain size. Um, So it it is great to see a guy like Gresham um, Mm. kind of breaking through that. And I think that's always been the case in in Ring of Honor, going back to the early days of the company. You you never had to be a giant uh, to to get over. Um, And, and, you know, if you couldn't work, I mean, obviously it's a work rate company and it's all about bell to bell and and getting it done inside the ring. And I think Ring of Honor fans certainly appreciate that. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, you know, when I was there, you know, when I started there, I was probably one of the bigger guys on the roster, and I'm only 5'11", uh, right. probably about 235 at that time. Um, so, you know, I would be like what would have been classed a, a, an average size wrestler or small to average size wrestler back in the day then. But um, as I said, I was probably one of the bigger guys on the roster there. And as you say, it's more important, especially in respect to the Ring of Honor fans, getting yourself over with work rate um, and your ability to just put on a fantastic wrestling match. That's what they were interested in. Absolutely. Well, let me let me uh, move on to the uh, we mentioned them just a little bit ago. The the new pure champion, Josh Woods, because yeah. I interviewed Josh uh, shortly after he won the title and I asked him, who are some potential challengers? Who are some people that you would like to defend the title against? And one of the first names out of his mouth was Doug Williams. Right now, it's just whoever earns it, earns it. I don't really have. My eyes set on anybody. Uh, huh, okay, that's not true. Doug Williams, man. <laughs> I, I would, oh, I know. I that know. Would match. That would be great. Doug Williams, man. Like, I think that that would be like something that like just the opportunity alone is to 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 pick his brain, shake his hand, and just and just two really technical guys go at it and see what happens. So, what do you think about that potential? You know, once. Once travel restrictions are, are all done and, you know, who knows, we can work out all the logistics of it, potentially wrestling Josh Woods for the Pure Championship. Well, that'd be fantastic. And again, another, another great talent. I've seen a, I've seen a, I mean, I, I, I spoke with him online a couple of weeks ago or so, and, and, and I did promise to watch a few of his matches, which I have done. And I just think, he, he, again, another you know, fantastic, another fantastic wrestler. Um, it would be interesting to get in there and, um, you know, stylistically, he's reasonably similar to when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I might have a few tricks up my sleeve he's not aware of, but uh, no, it'll be good. It'll be, a, it'll be a great match. Yeah, that's one of the things he, he said, actually, was he, yeah. he loved to actually get in the ring and mix it up with you, of course. But he said yeah. also just to pick your brain and, sure. and to learn from you. So, um, I mean, that has to be a great compliment, I'm sure, when you hear a guy like Josh Woods say, yeah, I want to get in the ring with him and not only wrestle him, but, you know, just, just learn. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's very flattering when people say that. And, um, you know, to be honest, that's probably one of the reasons I came back. Uh, interesting was to try and impart whatever knowledge I had on the younger guys. And if they're receptive to it and they want it, so much the better. So much the better. Right. Well, I, I would say anyone who doesn't want to sit under the learning tree of Doug Williams, uh, you know, probably doesn't have a great future. In this business, I don't know why you would uh, certainly not take advantage of a, of a, a goldmine of, of knowledge there. Um, let's talk about the Pure Tournament that was supposed to take place. Originally, it was called Pure Excellence in 2020. 
And you were supposed to be a part of that. You were booked for that tournament. Um, but again, obviously it didn't take place because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time we rescheduled the tournament, you were unable, you know, our international stars, uh, yourself and Slex, and there were Mark Haskins, guys who were in the original tournament, unfortunately weren't able to compete in the, uh, the rescheduled tournament. Uh, just how disappointing was that for you, like, to know that you were going to be a part of that tournament? You were sort of the bridge uh, from the original pure title tournament to the, in 2004 to the new one. Uh, how disappointing that you didn't get a chance to compete in that. Again, it's, it's extremely disappointing. I mean, from a personal point of view, um, even the pure tournament side, I, I was looking forward to coming back to America and performing again in front of the American fans. Um, you know, because kind of my last period there um, in, you know, ended in 2013 kind of fizzled out a little bit. So I wanted to come back and just remind American fans who I am, what I can do, um, and that I was one of the founding members of Ring of Honor and one of the founding members of the Pure, Pure, Pure Style. Um, so, you know, for, for me not to be able to compete in that tournament was very, very disappointing. Um, and, uh, you know, what can, what can you say? I just, just hope that, that things improve and I get an opportunity to take part in some matches next year uh, and that kind. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just it's just unfortunate, but it's, I can't I can't let it get me down. I just sort of carry on and hope that, that things that, that things turn around and I'll, I'll get those matches that I was so looking forward to. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, you were actually scheduled for more Ring of Honor appearances, weren't you? Besides the Pure Tournament, which was supposed to take place um, in April of 2020, were, were you yeah. you were going to be in more more matches right after that? Yeah, I think so. I think I had ten bookings, ten book. 10, 10, 10 appearances booked. Oh wow! Um, up to the end of the year, so um, yeah, unfortunately, more than this one. <laughs> well, the pandemic robbed us of um, you know a lot of great wrestling. That's for sure. And uh, man, yeah, you know, you being there for, for how many ever appearances it was going to be ten. Um, you know, like I said, and I know we're repeating ourselves, but hopefully, hopefully, twenty twenty two, we can uh, we can get back on track and hopefully have those matches. Uh, but I ask, I want to ask you about uh, pure wrestling, um, its place in the current landscape of pro wrestling. Because mm-hmm. not saying one style is better than the other, but obviously you know there's so much focus um, on high spots and high flying and acrobatics and all those mm-hmm. things. Uh, were you ever concerned that? I mean, do you ever think, well, you know, pure wrestling might just go away because the modern fans. It's not really what they are used to or grew up on, and and maybe don't really have an appreciation for it. No, I don't, I don't think I don't think that at all. Because the basis of wrestling, as it is, is is what pure wrestling is, isn't it? it, it that, that's where it comes from. Um, if you take away that that, that foundation and that, and that that side of it, all you're left with is um, you know a gymnastics exhibition, aren't you? Okay. Um, yeah, that. That wrestling allows you to develop stories. It allows you to 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 work in things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if it was just if, if all you did in a match was high spot after high spot. Um, you got to take the crowd on, on a on a roller coaster ride, on an emotional roller coaster ride, and they got to have downs and they got to have ups. And you learn when you, when you, when you're training to wrestle and you, you work in that style over many years, you learn how to use it in order to get the reaction you want from the crowd, regardless of 
whatever they think they're expecting to to enjoy or see. You can still win them over just by doing wrestling, doing wrestling holds, doing you know fancy escapes, doing uh, little tricky little things that that they maybe never seen before. Um, I don't think, ever, and 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 you know that side wrestling is, is is you know it's like the circus. You have a variety of different performances, a variety of different acts. Some people like some things, some people like another, um, and it, uh, the balance is still there. I think the balance is definitely still there. Um, I know the modern style's changed and it's developing into to some things, but there's always going to be elements of of, of of the rest of it um, here and there throughout throughout the industry. I don't think it's ever going to die off. Um, and like you know, the people you know, the likes of Josh and and Jonathan, they're helping bring the style along so it doesn't fade away. There are still wrestlers who are very interested in just doing that in this country in England too. Um, especially in England, because a lot of them obviously are aware of the old British style and, and what that used to entail, um, and they're all very keen to learn elements of it at least. So I don't see that ever going to die away, thankfully. <laughs> right. You know, I had um, Taylor Rust on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he had a great match with Tracy Williams in the Pure Title Tournament last year. And okay. he, he said that, he and Tracy Williams had never, literally never met before. Not only never met in the ring, never met, period, mm-hmm. until they were in the ring face-to-face with each other. That was his introduction to Tracy Williams. Yet they still had a great match. And he mm-hmm. attributed it to, that's pure wrestling. That's what pure wrestlers do. And it's not about, you know, you don't necessarily have to plan everything out and mm-hmm. everything else. You just get in there and you have a feel for it and it's natural, which I thought was, you know, that was pretty enlightening to me. Uh, someone who actually you know, isn't in the ring. Going back to my match with um, at Wrestle Carnival against Dean Allmark, would you believe I've never wrestled Dean at all in a one-on-one match ever? Nope. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was exactly the same. Exactly the same thing. We just got in there. Um, obviously, we've both been trained in British style wrestling. Um, we're both quite technical anyway, and it was just we just did our thing. You know, we just worked it out as we went along. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that is, that's the art form. That is yeah. the art form of professional wrestling. Uh, no question about it. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. We are just getting started here with Doug Williams. We'll be back with more after this. It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body-slamming, drop-kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. Now put a buck on! Jay Driller! She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. All right, back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Doug Williams, former Ring of Honor Pure Champion. Uh, one of the real originals in Ring of Honor. He, he was back in the, uh, the first year of the company. He was here, was in the first Ring of Honor world title tournament, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about a little later. But I, I want to talk to you about um, your temporary retirement. <laughs> um, sure. Why did you decide in 2018, I believe it was, to, to hang up you know, the tights and, and the boots at that point and what ultimately led to you changing your mind and coming back? 
who well, there's quite a few reasons why I decided to retire. Uh, injuries is probably top of the list. I had quite a few injuries at the time that I really needed surgery to get to get fixed. Um, I also wanted to spend more time with my family. I'd spent a long time traveling the world, um, and it really was um, a decision to give some some time back to them. <laughs> uh, the British scene at the time was booming. There was a lot of fantastic talent. There were shows like ten. 11, 12 shows every weekend up and down the country. Um, and it was really, it, I felt it was my time to step aside and, and let, you know, let some of the other talent take their spots, you know. Um, I've done pretty much everything I wanted to do with my career, more or less. Um, so all those things kind of came together and it kind of felt like the right time to do it. Uh, uh, and it was, it was, you know, it was the right time. 2019 for me was fine. I still had um, my foot in the door in the industry and in I always I was doing training seminars. I was helping backstage on some shows, booking them, um, agenting them, that sort of stuff. And so 2019 was fantastic. I still got to travel a little bit. I'd probably spend maybe one weekend a month on shows, meeting the guys um, and, and getting my fill of, of, of wrestling. Even though I wasn't stepping in the ring, it was good to see other people doing, uh, you know, either what I'd advise them to do or just the art of watch of pro wrestling and, and be able to watch it live. Um, and then obviously, twenty twenty came around, um, and yeah, the pandemic hit. Uh, everybody went into lockdown, and uh, you know, kind of everything that I was used to in the previous thirty years of my life was suddenly whipped away from me, you know, I couldn't go to the gym and train, I wasn't travelling anymore, couldn't attend any live shows. Um, and I think really after after a year of that, um, and just kind of the general uh, mindset that that being in lockdown gate kind of gives you, um, I thought to myself, well, why am I not doing the thing I love doing? Why am I not getting out there and... and, and, and performing you know and, and traveling and, and hanging out with the boys and all, all all this stuff that that when you're sitting and you can't do anything you know you, you, you reassess your life and you think to yourself well you know no i'm going to do the thing i love and i keep doing it until i can't do it anymore um and i had surgeries so my injuries were better um and it was just a case of waiting for shows to start again so i could could get out there um and yeah, that, 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 that's simply all it was, really. Um, I didn't quite expect it to go as successfully as I, it has done in, in respect that um, I've got two or three shows booked every single weekend now until the end of the year. <laughs> so, you know, I'm crazy busy. I didn't quite expect it to go like that. But, you know, it, it's been good. It's been good so far. It's been fantastic, actually. Well, you mentioned uh, getting started again. And that's what I yeah. want to that's what I want to ask you about is according to my research and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you went from February of 2020 to June of 2021. Again, if what I'm, what I looked up is correct without a wrestling match. So close to a year and a half. Um, how difficult was that for you? Just as far as once you got back in the ring after that layoff, just ring rust, was there any, uh, your body taking bumps again. 
what was that like having that layoff and then, okay, I'm, I'm back, I'm back in. Well, it was, it was interesting. I did think that it would be a little bit of a problem, uh, you know, in respect of timing and maybe my, my stamina wouldn't be what it was, but really I think the thing that, that threw me the most and the thing I've had to adapt to, um, the quickest is that, um, there's things I used to be able to do that I just can't do anymore being, you know, a little bit older now. Um, and just as a result, some of the surgeries I had, and it's just trying to get around those things and, and, and realize that, no, I can't, I can't do this move anymore. I can't necessarily do these certain, certain things. And it's just trying to adapting my style a little bit, just small tweaks, you know, here and there. Um, and just, just making it work for me. Um, and to be honest with you, the, the, the timing and that came back pretty quick. So what did you do during the pandemic? Because, you know, we've hear people said like, all right, uh, you know, I just started binge watching a bunch of TV shows or, you know, there was always this hobby I wanted to try or something and I finally had the chance to do it. Uh, was there anything that you did to keep yourself busy? No, not really. I'm perfectly honest. I, I, would, I would say, again, I'd binge watch a lot of TV. Um, I would do home workouts, I'd go for walks, um, you know, take the dogs for a walk and that sort of thing. I didn't really, probably could have used the time more productively, um, especially in, you know, in terms of educating yourself with something. But no, I think, um, and to be honest with you, the first lockdown, the one that ran from, I don't know how it, how it ran in the States, but in England, we had a lockdown that went from March 2020 through to July 2020. And that, that three months was actually quite enjoyable because it was the summer. You know, it's long days, you go out and have a walk. Um, so that was reasonably pleasant. It was the second lockdown that was really hard. Um, and that, running, that ran uh, from uh, November through to, through to February, yeah. um, March. And that, that was the one that was tough just because it's winter and it, it, you, know, you struggle to get out and, and do anything meaningful. Um, but no, I was pretty. Uh, I was pretty unproductive, actually, <laughs> on the whole. Well, I don't think you were alone in that, Doug. I think a lot of us, no. like, you know, wow, that what a golden opportunity we had there to do some things, and it's like, yeah, man, we didn't take advantage of it the way we the way we could have. Um, on a, on a, a serious note, though, I know that a lot of people struggled uh, mentally with yeah. the lockdown and and being quarantined and and things like that. And I know that uh, you've promoted, um, you know, mental health awareness, and it's something that hits home for a lot of people. I know just here in Ring of Honor, uh, you know, we lost a member of the Ring of Honor family last month, uh, Daphne, mm. uh, Shannon Sproul. Yeah. Um, you know, we also lost uh, Hannah Kimura last year. She was just 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, so what, sad. yeah. Very, very, very sad. Uh, what motivated to, uh, you to, to speak out? Uh, you know, and really to promote mental health awareness. Oh, well, it's experience of my own mental um, health or lack of it during 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 that time period as well. I went through a very um, very dark period um, in the latter half of last year, and um, luckily for me, I came out. Uh, you know, and thanks to uh, a select number of my friends, I came out at the other end. Um, but it does change your whole mindset on understanding um what mental health is um and how it should be um protected and and enhanced um 
along with physical health. Um, and it's just the idea that so few people are, so many people are ignorant to what what causes these issues and what what how you actually feel when you're in the very you know the very uh, the very depths of, of um, the deterioration of, of your mental state of mind. And I, you know, until you actually suffer it yourself, it's very very hard to appreciate it. Um, and because I did, <laughs> it was easy for me to come out and, and speak about it honestly and say, you know, this is something real. This is a real. Um, illness, you know, that needs treatment and it needs, it needs, um, you know, to be taken seriously. It needs to be viewed at in the same way that people view their physical health. You know, when it's deteriorating badly, seek help, speak to someone and get, you know, and get yourself sorted out. Because it's only ultimately only going to end one way, unfortunately, um, if it's too late. Uh, it's just making other people aware that they should check up and, 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 and talk to people and just don't assume that everybody's okay because they're carrying on with their life as normally as they can because it's not always necessarily the case. Um, yeah, so that's my inspiration. That was That's what caused me to, to speak out about it. Well, um, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Well, I, I just wanted to, to jump in and say, you know, it's it's really great that, you know, someone who has a platform, which you do, mm. Um, mm. you know, did, did speak out. And, um, you know, it's like the old cliche of, you know, if, if it just helps one person, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot to that because, you know, without getting too deep into the into the woods here, I mean, it, it, there is a stigma, I think, still to to mental health. And oh, yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like we take care of our uh, bodies, you know, but for some reason it's like, um, like I said, I, there's a stigma if, you know, to admit you might, you know, need some help mentally. So, um, you know, I think it's great. Like I said, that somebody who has a platform like you do that, that you speak about it and, and you say that, you know, you had your own uh, uh, battles with it. You know, I think maybe people could say, Oh, well, if, you know, a famous pro wrestler or a famous entertainer, whoever it may be, has struggled with these issues, then, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, and, and got through it, then, you know, maybe I can do the same. So I, I think that's awesome that you, that you did that. Um, let, let me move on to something on a, a little bit lighter and just ask you about uh, the current ring of honor scene. And like I, uh, you said earlier, I know you don't get a, a chance to watch a lot of uh, mm -hmm. wrestling just because of time, but uh, just of the wrestlers that you know, that are in ring of honor, are there any ones who, uh, you know, outside of the pure division, anybody that's made an impression on you where you've said, you know what, uh, if and when the time comes and I can get back there, here are some guys I'd like to step in the ring with. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm picking sides from this country, but, um, I've never wrestled, I've wrestled him maybe once here and it'd be good to, to wrestle him in a ring of honor ring. And that's Joe Hendry. Oh, yeah. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's he's such a great character, and he's come such a long way. Um, and it's interesting, really. You know, I always try and challenge myself with with, with doing some, or trying trying to wrestle guys that I'm, you wouldn't necessarily think I would work well with. But I think like the Mexican guys that you have, Bandido and, and um, Rush. Yeah, if I'm saying that correctly. I'd love, I'd love to work with those guys just because it'd be so different, you know, it'd be such a different experience. Um, their style is so 
diametrically opposed to what I would necessarily think I'd be comfortable with. But I still think it would be, be interesting matches. Um, so I always look for that. I always look for something a little bit different. Um, and there's always the guys that I've known for years, you know, Jay Lethal, Stylus, I've known for a long time. Those guys just guaranteed to have a great match when I, whenever I work with those guys. So, yeah. It, it, I know everybody in Ring of Honor is great. It would be, be so easy just to get in there and wrestle anyone. It would be I'd just look forward to it, wrestle any of, any of the guys. Yeah, you make a great point about, you know, the different styles. I think Ring of Honor does have guys who have uh, all different kinds of styles. And I think that that uh, contrast in style. So, yeah, maybe you have a quote-unquote pure wrestler against somebody who, ha- uh, you know, is well-versed in Lucha Libre. And you see what kind of match they can have. I think that's, that's you know, I think it's, uh, you know, st- styles make fights, right? Isn't that sort of the, the cliche? So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Seeing how two different distinct styles would work together is uh, is exciting, and like I said, Ring of Honor has you know guys with all different kinds of backgrounds. They definitely do, yeah, definitely. Um, such a wide and diverse roster, and uh, you know, I'd be interested to delve a bit deeper into it and and, and mess with some of your guys, you know, some of the younger guys especially. Hopefully, impart some of my wisdom on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take our next break. We've got plenty more to talk about with Doug Williams right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast with Doug Williams. Doug, I want to go back uh, to the early days, if we can. Uh, really, let's get into your origin uh, uh, story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like a lot of guys in this business, um, and especially, I believe, you know, guys uh, in, in, in the uh, European countries, uh, you started training very young, correct? I mean, you, were you a teenager when you, when you broke in? No, I wasn't. I was 21 when I started training. Okay. But I had done judo for 10 years before that. Okay. So uh, I probably started taking bumps when I was 11. So <laughs> 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 to speak. That's pretty um, <laughs> Yeah, so I've done 10 years of judo, and yeah, I started training to be a pro when I was, when I was 21. Okay. Well, okay, so when you started training for pro wrestling, uh, yeah. what was that experience like for you just in general? I mean, obviously you're learning the – European style, which, as we said, you know, very heavy on grappling and uh, mm. technical wrestling. Uh, what was that training like for you? Yeah, it was pretty tough. I think it's not like it is nowadays. Um, you're basically uh, um, get in the ring and wrestle somebody for real for three or four hours every day, wow. <laughs> <laughs> rolling around and, and, and being, you know, just getting that, uh, you know taking a beating pretty much for three or four hours. Um, and then if you're lucky, you might get to learn to run the ropes for a little bit or, or try something off the top, but it was very, very few and far between. Um, they absolutely wanted to make sure that you would protect the business and treat it with respect. Um, so that was kind of beaten into you. 
<laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so it was still very much that way in the early 90s when I was training to be a pro wrestler. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, that, I don't, things evolve, obviously, and I don't think that there's really a, the right way to do it nowadays, necessarily. Um, but it, yeah, it, it weeded out the people that weren't really that serious, weren't really that interested. Um, and I'd say probably out of my first class or the first time I went to the gym there, there was probably about 10 guys there. Two of us maybe came full-time pro wrestlers out of that class mm. off the back of the training. So as a 21-year-old young man, uh, mm. did you go into that with your eyes completely open? Like, it was it what you expected? Did you know you were going to be in for kind of a, you know, a grueling, a rough time? Or was it kind of uh, more of an eye-opening experience for you? Oh, no, I was totally aware. And, and to be honest with you, I hadn't done judo for so long, I probably would have thought twice about being a wrestler. Look, mm. I, I had a, such a good grounding in judo. And, and I knew that I needed that um, in order to get anywhere in pro wrestling at that point in time. And that, that, that it would be tested, you know. Um, I I was fully aware of what it, how 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 the training would be going. And obviously I knew how, how it would pan out in the end. I knew that you know, eventually you get to learn how to work properly. <laughs> well, obviously and, you had the intestinal fortitude, you had the toughness, yeah. you, had, you had the passion. Was there yeah. ever a moment early on though, where you were like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can get through this or did you always know that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to the other side eventually. Yeah, no, I was never, I never, never doubted it for a second. Okay. I was training ever. Never doubted it for a second. I used to drive um, two hours to where the gym was on a Friday night. I trained three hours on a Friday night, stay over in, in my car, sleep in my car, train six hours on a Saturday, sleep again in my car on, on, on a Saturday night, train three hours on a Sunday, and then drive home. Um, and I never once doubted what I was doing. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't love sleeping in my car a bit, but you know, the rest of it was fine. <laughs> right. Who were some of the early influences in your career? Oh, uh, Robbie Brookside was probably a big influencer. Sure. I wrestled him a lot in the start of my career. Uh, there's a guy called Johnny Kidd. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He kind of um, the next generation of uh, the Johnny Saints of the world. Okay. Um, he taught me a lot as well, especially about the British style and how to execute and work that. Uh, and really, I mean, a lot of the old school guys that are still kind of kicking around from the world of sport days, just picking up bits of information from there, little bits, little nuggets of information here and there were what helped me a lot. Um, just so you know, I, could, I could go on and reel off loads of different names. Tony Sinclair was a big mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and he took me over to Germany for the first time. Um, and that was a, a learning experience. Um, and just tremendous, really, just being able to learn from these guys that, I'd seen on TV when I was very young, you know, I watched on, on network television. Um, and now I wasn't in the same dressing room as them. It was, it was, yeah, amazing experience. Was there a sense uh, in the European scene at that time uh, when you first started out that uh, you had to make, you had to eventually get to the United States to, I guess, really make a mark. Uh, was that something that was kind of a, a real thing to you like I've got to get to the states or or was it no I'm just going to make my name 
here or in other places of uh, uh, you know across the country across well, the, across the I, mean, country, I should say to be honest kevin when i first started like 93 94 i was just solely interested in because i never thought oh i'm going to make a career out of this i just thought well, this is something i'm going to do that i'm going to enjoy just doing you know um at the weekends or or, or what have you um so I was kind of solely interested in just breaking onto the British circuit and, and working as many shows as I could in, in Great Britain. But obviously, as time went by and, and um, I became better and better at, at, at pro wrestling, I did look, my ambitions kind of grew and I did look to where else could I do, go, what, what else can I do? And, um, you know, I kind of set myself a long-term goal of going to Japan at that time. You're probably talking 96, 97 at this point. And, um, America never really played. Uh, America never really played into it, but I think primarily because I always thought, in my mind, those guys are so big and they're so characteristic, and that's kind of the opposite of what I was at that time. I was very, I wasn't small. I was, you know, maybe two hundred and ten pounds, um, but I was very much the technical guy. You know, <laughs> right. no, no real per- I had personality, but no real personality, so to speak, of a traditional trunks and boots wrestler. So I'd always dismiss the States as being, no, that's not the sort of thing that I do. Um, so I'd kind of focus purely on Japan. But UK was so closed off at that point, um, you know, with virtually no exposure outside of the country. Right. It was very, very difficult to think of how it was going to happen. And it didn't, it didn't happen for me until, you know, 10 years down the line from then. But uh, at that point, I was just happy working and wrestling as many shows as I could in, in the UK. So in 2002, Ring of mm. Honor is born. Um, you make yeah. your way. You make your way to Ring of Honor. As we mentioned earlier, you took part in the uh, first tournament to crown a Ring of Honor World Champion. Yeah. Uh, you beat Jay Briscoe in the tournament. You beat a guy named the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and then you advanced. That that sent you to the finals. It was a four way. 60-minute Iron Man match. Yourself, low-key, Christopher Daniels, Spanky, low-key was crowned the first champion. I want to ask you first, uh, your memories of working with a young Jay Briscoe, who was 18 at the time, and mm-hmm. a young Brian Danielson, who was 21 at the time. Did you have any inkling, uh, looking back now, that those guys would be as good as they've become? Um. Well, definitely Brian. I'd already wrestled him before right. Before then, so I, I knew that he was going to be a rising star. Um, it's like anything, though, you, you're concerned. It's like, he's great, but he's just so small. So, you know, is he going to get anywhere um, just because of that? And obviously, as, as attitudes and times have changed, it doesn't matter anymore. And, and obviously, that, that, was, that was great for, for him. And... Um, he was, you know, just a phenomenal wrestler, and he was such a he, he, such a student. He wanted to learn so many different things, so many different styles, and just incorporate them into what he did. Um, that I, I knew he was going to get somewhere. Um, uh, as for Jay, he, I can't remember too much about that match, but um, I knew he was very enthusiastic. He was very open to ideas, um, like an excitable puppy almost. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, I mean, for the age that he was, he was, he was phenomenal. Um, yeah, he, he, he was really, really good. It was, it was a lot of fun 
Um, and it, it kind of put my mind at ease as well because obviously I, I just I come over the English guy um, didn't really know what to expect didn't know what people thought or knew about me um, so it was great to be able to get in there with guys who who, who were good uh, and, and, and allowed me to show off my own skills as well it's just trying to get themselves over so that was, that was nice too any uh, particular memories of that uh, four-way 60-minute Ironman match Oh, it was just so hot. The show was in July and the building had no air conditioning. And, and Ring of Honor brought in these huge industrial fans. And all they did was blow the hot air around the building. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we used to get changed in a basement underneath the, you know, the, the main hall. And it was just, just no air. And we were just so hot. We were sweating buckets before we even went out there. And... Um, I just just remember worrying about if I could remember everything. Um, and I don't know if you watch the match, you see the structure of it, is I basically wrestled the first 20 minutes, mm -hmm. um, doing all my kind of shit, and then it kind of breaks down, other people take over, and they do little bits and pieces. And I think uh, just the way that it was constructed helped us all um, get through it. Um, uh, and uh, just some of the stuff that we pulled off, I just... Amazed that I wouldn't be able to do it nowadays. <laughs> but um, no, it was thoroughly enjoyable. And I lost about, I lost about, I don't know, 10 pounds in weight just through sweat. Well, I was going to ask you that, if you yeah. weighed yourself before and after. Well, yeah, because I'd gone in and I was actually probably my heaviest I'd ever weighed up to that point. I came in and I was like 240. I was thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Why have I put, <laughs> why have I put on so much? And yeah, the... the um, following week I'd gone somewhere else I was still in the States the following week and I'd weighed myself and I was like two I weighed myself at the gym and I was like 230 I was like wow I've lost I've lost, I've lost 10 pounds in, in, in weight um, just off the back of that match alone I think um, it was crazy I mean they had buckets of bottles of water next to the ring and they were just like throwing us bottles of water to drink as the match progressed um, it was crazy had you done before that match? Had you done many uh, one-hour matches? Did you have experience doing that? No, I've done a few 40, 45 minutes before singles matches, but I've never done an hour. Um, I don't think it's inherently difficult to do an hour-long match. Really, um, it was more a trick of all four of us working and making sure everyone gets in their their stuff as well, which which is um, which was more important to us. Right. Yeah, I could imagine if it's a one-on-one -on -one match, yeah. uh, certainly going 60 minutes is, is, you know, can be grueling and all that. But you're just working with one other, other guy. When there's three other people in the ring, it just seems like it adds a whole other uh, layer of, uh, of difficulty. Well, yeah, and the complication comes if something goes wrong. You've right. then got to communicate with three other guys to try and bring things back on track. Um, that's you know that's always uh, luckily it didn't happen that particular match everything went to plan but it's just one of those things you you concern yourself with and as you say you're in there with just one other guy in a singles match it's easy to cover for them you know if something happens or something goes wrong it's easy to communicate to them I'm injured you know we need to go home or or that you know spot goes wrong so we can work around it and come back to it or whatever you need to do um, but when there's four guys it's it's the problem is quadrupled yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Let me ask about a, a, another guy that uh, you've wrestled a bunch of times throughout your career. Uh, that's Jay Lethal. Uh, mm. 
the first time you wrestled him, again, we're talking about, you know, young guys and everything here. Jay was only 19 uh, wow. when you wrestled him back in 2004. So I guess I'll ask you, you know, sort of a similar question is, you know, what did you think of a, a young Jay Lethal? And as you've continued to wrestle him over the years and watch him uh, grow as a performer, uh, just your thoughts about how he's become uh, what we call him here in Ring of Honor, which is the franchise. Yeah, sure. Well, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think he didn't stand out to me as a as a above the rest of the pack. I mean, you know, everyone's everyone's great. He didn't stand out to me the first time I was there, or the first time I ever met him or wrestled him as anything different to any of the other guys. Unfortunately, um, of course, that all changed as time progressed. I uh, saw him develop, and obviously, um, my most notable feuds with him were 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 outside the Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, and by then he was just a fantastic performer. Probably one of my favourite guys to wrestle as well. Um, but yeah, he just needed that from that time in Ring of Honor when I initially met him. He needed that seasoning. He needed that experience. He needed that repetition that comes from doing many, many matches and finding himself, finding his character, finding his gimmick. And he did all that. Um, and yeah, he's just one of the best wrestlers in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Just fantastic. Um, well, you mentioned um, outside of Ring of Honor, and and, and we can yeah. mention it. It's okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, you and you and Jay wrestled a bunch of X Division matches, right? In in TNA. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, we did like yeah, go um, ahead. we did multiple house show loops together as well. But we were, you know, I probably wrestled him like ten times in a month at some point <laughs> in, uh, in in TNA. Just, well, I guess know. when you work together that much, I, you know, I've heard, you know, plenty of guys say like when they are that comfortable, you know, they, they wrestle the same person over and over, they work with them, that it's almost like a night off. I mean, did it become sort of that way with Jay? Definitely. Oh, every night's a night off wrestling Jay. Because you, you come accustomed to their style, you know what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it. So you don't even have to think. You can concentrate on the important parts of the match, which is selling and, and, and getting yourself over with the crowd, you know. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was always a pleasure, um, always a pleasure to work in. So you took part also in, uh, man, you, you're so steeped in ring of honor history. I mean, take <laughs> that, that first ring of honor world title tournament. You also yeah. took part in the first pure title tournament. Uh, you ended up uh, working with CM Punk in the uh, semifinals. You lost to Punk. Um, okay. he ended up losing to AJ Styles in the tournament final. Right. Uh, but then uh, Styles had to vacate the title a couple uh, months later, so there was yeah. a tournament to crown another new champion, and this time you won it. And okay. some of the guys in that tournament that you won were Punk, Lethal, uh, Nigel McGuinness, uh, you know, some really, really great wrestlers. Uh, you beat yeah. Alex Shelley in the finals. Yeah. Uh, what did that mean to you at the time? Uh, to be the, the pure champion. I mean, Ring of Honor had been around for about two years at that point, was starting to um, really develop, I guess, um, a niche audience and had this new title. I mean, I there wasn't really anything like the pure title in the United States anyway. Uh, right. What did that mean to you to, to, to carry that at that time? Well, it's, it, it's the same, same feeling you get whenever you're, you know, you're, you're given the opportunity to run with the title is that, you know, the promoters put your trust in, is trusting you in order to deliver um, fantastic matches, get yourself over with the crowd. And, and in terms of pure title, it's just selling that whole uh, ideology behind it. You know, the, the, the rules, 
dictate it and the style of match and everything like that. And for them to consider that I would be the um, the, the, the best person to be able to do that was 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 quite you know was, was flattering. It was an honour really at that time. And you know, I've been wrestling nine years at that point. No, no, no tell a lie. 2004, 11 years at that point. Um, so in my own eyes, I didn't consider myself a veteran, but it was it was still it, it was an honour to to be, to be given that and and give the opportunity to run with it um, at that point. And hopefully, I did quite a good job in getting the belt over. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've talked at length now about uh, your past. Uh, let's 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 before we go to our our next break, uh, let's sure. talk about. Uh, your future and okay. it's obviously hard to predict you know what's going to happen down the line but you said you yeah. want to you want to continue wrestling you know at least uh, for the foreseeable future you mentioned yeah. that you've had some experience uh, after you retired from in-ring as a as a coach or an agent uh, yeah what, what is the you know if you had to envision it now how many more years if you've thought about it do you see yourself in ring and I'm guessing do you eventually then want to transition back into that role as a as a trainer, a coach, an agent, whatever it may be. Definitely, I, I, I'm not under the impression this is going to be a long term thing. I'm thinking probably a year, maybe two at most. Um, and you know, I'll start. I'm not going to put a definite date on it and say, right, I'm going to retire from X at this date. What I'll do is a slow transition where I start doing more training, I start doing more coaching, I start doing a little bit more helping backstage and agenting and just the wrestling will peter off a little bit and do the odd appearance now and then. Um, so I'm definitely not going to put a, a definitive timeline on it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say a year, maybe two years of, of, of going at it um, in the same vein that I am at the moment. <laughs> if my body holds up, if my body holds up, of course. Um, and there's a few little things I still like to tick off. You know, I still want a couple of little goals. Um, I think I mentioned one already about just getting back in front of the American fans and reminding them who I as uh, who I am. Because you know, the TNA run didn't end the greatest in my eyes, and it's just like to get that. You know, just say hi, hello, American fans. <laughs> I, uh, I am Doug Williams, and uh, hope you remember me and appreciate what I do. So. Well, I, I could tell you for sure, Ring of Honor fans. Uh, both of those things uh, know you appreciate yeah. you and um, and you know I think I speak for everybody in Ring of Honor fans as well as people who work for the company is that uh, hopefully we want to see you back in a ring in Ring of Honor in the States that would be outstanding if we could make that work yeah, it would that'd be fantastic and as, as, as far as your in-ring uh, retirement Doug don't worry no one will hold you to a specific date because we all <laughs> know in pro wrestling no one ever truly retires they don't. You're right. I thought I had it. I thought I thought I had it. I thought yeah. I'd done it. I thought I'd actually have done it here. I'm happy. Yeah. Down you thought, there, the, you thought the you pandemic. were one. <laughs> yeah. The pandemic came along and put an end to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break, and then uh, when we come back, we're going to play ten questions with Doug Williams. Let's roll, America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood. You can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day. Ring of Honor Wrestling has once again teamed up with American Red Cross for Sinclair Cares Roll Up Your Sleeves. Make an appointment today to donate blood. Your donation will help save lives and impact 
countless more. Go to SinclairCares.com to schedule your appointment now. All right, we are back on the RH Strong Podcast. It's been an outstanding conversation with Doug Williams. Now it's time to play a little game we like to call 10 Questions. Doug, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Kevin. (laughs) And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. Uh, What's something that's on your bucket list? Something that you want to accomplish, whether it's uh, in wrestling or just, you know, uh, life in general bucket list? I'll tell you something, Kevin. I've never been um, to a country south of the equator in the Southern Hemisphere, either for wrestling or for any other reason on vacation. So, yeah, I'd like like to be able to get to somewhere, you know, either in in the Americas or Australia, New Zealand, just visit somewhere south of the equator. Okay. Um, so I've got quite a few travel goals still left, but we probably run the main ones. Okay. Well, um, I know you're, you're well traveled. You've been all over the all over the world yeah. wrestling. I would, uh, and I figured you would have checked off everything at this point. Yeah. No. No. I've never. I've had a few cancelled tours to some of the southern <laughs> countries in the southern hemisphere, but I never seem to have got there, unfortunately. So uh, that's definitely up there. All right, uh, question number two. What's mm. a subject you'd like to know more about? What, in general? In general. Oh, that's interesting. Um, probably, I'd like to know more about how the body actually works, the physiology behind it, and, and just uh, obviously not to a doctor's level, but I'm always very interested in why certain things occur within, within yourself and, 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 and and how they develop. I mean, I'll probably, you know, once, once wrestling's more or less out of the way, I'll, I'll take um, a lot more interest in that, in, in the physiology of the body, and especially like the nervous system and, and, and how that works, and the method of the brain communicating with your limbs and and, and, and things like that. I've got an aunt who's, who's uh, got an auntie who's got um, MS. Um, and, you know, she's had it for years in remission, and she, she manages it really well, but it's always a great interest to me how the body works against itself sometimes um, in, in that fashion. So I'll probably explore those kind of topics quite heavy, I know, but you know, it's, it's always interesting to me. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a fascinating uh, subject for sure. And I would think a guy like you who is in a business where, you know, y- your body is how you make your living. That is, sure, um, sure. For, for certain. Uh, all right, question number three. Hmm. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living or dead, who would you like to sit down and talk to? Oh, Ronnie, <laughs> that is that's that is fascinating, isn't it? These are some uh, heavy questions, right? <laughs> yeah, these are these are some heavy stuff. This is, isn't it? Um, that's interesting, really. I'd put, it'd, it'd be a it'd be an English politician, I think, someone like. I would say it sounds so cliche, but someone like Winston Churchill, just to understand their mindset in, 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 when they're dealing with historic and, 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 and or catastrophic events, you know, decisions they made that, that, that changed the course of history and why they, what, what the thinking was behind it. Um, so yeah, probably you know some of the likes of, 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 of Churchill or, or 
you know, dare I say it, someone like Margaret Thatcher and what her what her <laughs> what her thought processes were in, in, in the way that she treated the country back in the early eighties. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. I mean, I'm interested in politics and the and the decisions that are made by people and how it has affected affects millions of people's lives. So we always like to hear the rationale behind why certain decisions were made and why choices were were made at certain times in, in history. Yeah. I would love to ask you a follow-up question of what you think about American politics, but we don't want to get into that here. In the <laughs> we can't get political here, but no, 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 no. But uh, I would, it would, I would love to hear what someone from uh, another country has to think about uh, current climate here. But that, that'll maybe that'll be a private conversation if we ever possibly, yeah, possibly. Yes, All right, uh, question number four, uh, Doug. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that we don't know about? Ooh, oh, I don't know really. No, my life's been so focused on wrestling. Okay, I've struggled to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm no I, wrestling is all I know. That's terrible, isn't it? What awful well, thing to say. No, I, I mean, yeah, when you're really good at one thing, that, that's okay. You know, you're yeah. really good at wrestling, so that's all right. Can't sing, you can't yeah. dance, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I can to moderation, but I wouldn't call it a special talent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say special. I said hidden. Oh, hidden. Oh, maybe maybe you keep it hidden for a reason. I don't know. Possibly. Right. <laughs> Question number five. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe that it exists? Uh, no, I haven't. And no, I do not. <laughs> oh, all right. No. Not in the slightest. And it's always upset a few of my girlfriends in the past. Yeah, the ones that are very spiritual and, and yeah. things like that. And, uh, no, I, I'd like to. I would really like to. I'd love to have a moment where you, you actually question yourself on things like that. But no, I'm a realist, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and uh, I've never, I've never, had, not that I can remember from childhood or anything like that. I've never had a supernatural experience. Okay. Um, no, maybe maybe that's for me to look forward to. In there the you coming go. Years. You never, yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know. Never you know, know what? It, know. It, it, here's the thing. If you had yeah. made, if you had made the trip to Las Vegas, uh, the 18th anniversary weekend, uh, yeah. the people who made it there and stayed actually went to this place called uh, Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. Okay. There, there are some people on our roster who claim that they had some paranormal experiences in the Haunted Museum. Uh, oh, wow. Got scratches. Okay. Mandy Leone says she got scratched. A Beer City Bruiser's wife said the same thing. Uh, so who knows? That may have made a believer out of you. Oh uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes is, when I wake up after a night out, I've got scratches and bruises all <laughs> over me. Don't know where they come from. Uh, yeah, that may not be paranormal. That that <laughs> maybe abnormal or something extraordinary, yeah. but maybe not paranormal. All right. Question number six. What's your favorite thing about wrestling in the U.S.? Ooh, uh, my favorite thing about wrestling in the U.S. is the uh, diversity of talent you have. Um, it always struck me that whenever I went to Ring of Honor or, or even when I went to TNA, it was a, such a range of different characters and, and gimmicks and styles that they do. And, and, and it's also... In England, everybody pretty much wrestles. I hate to say it, 
everybody wrestles the same, in the same style, in the same way. Um, but and, and Japan's the same. In Japan, everyone wrestles, you know, or they did. Anyway, wrestles the same way, same style, pretty much. But in America, it was always much more diverse. You know, where it be the characters were much stronger than they are in other places. But, but stylistically as well, you know, it was very definitive. Balling, ballers, and there's you know technical guys, and there's high flyers, and and um, it always seems so diverse to me. It always presented me with a real good challenge. And okay, I'm wrestling this guy. What can I do differently? What do I need to adapt in order to work with this guy uh, in a certain way? Um, and it was always that, that I found found really interesting compared to a lot of the rest of the world. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Question number seven. Mm-hmm. Are you much of a cook? And if so, do you have a specialty? Oh, yes. I, I cook a lot. I cook a lot. And um, I love Mexican food. So chili is my speciality. I cook that mm. at least okay. once a week. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't say I cook a lot, a great range of dishes, but I always try and cook something um, and make something from fresh ingredients nice every night. Um, I've been trying, you know, working more on, on fish dishes recently, just trying to be a bit more healthy with that. But um, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's something I really enjoy, and it's the limited creativity I have. I can express it a little bit through the cooking sometimes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe that's my hidden talent there. Kevin. That's there. You go. That's the hidden. Yeah. Talent. There you go. All right. Question number eight: If there was a movie about your life, if there was the Doug Williams story, uh, what actor do you think should play you? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's know, got the go same hair coloring as me. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought maybe you would go for like Daniel Craig, uh, you know, James Bond. Well, that was a close second. It was a close yeah. second, but um, I, I find him a little bit, he's uh, a little bit, uh, I want to say posh for me. You probably ah. think differently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He's a very classically trained actor, you know, he kind of speaks like this. Whereas Tom Hardy's more you're down to earth, you know, um you know, got came through the acting um uh, in a different way, not through drama school and all that. Right. That no, stuff. I see that. I, I got that. I got that. <laughs> all right, question number nine. What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of it at all? Ooh question uh most american sports really <laughs> that one hurts that one hurts that one hurts though. to be honest with you it's not it's not that's just not limited to me i think a lot of europeans <laughs> who watch watch american football and wonder what the appeal is you know just <laughs> yeah i know when, when you guys talk about football you're not talking about yeah. the nfl I, I, no we're not we're not we're talking about you know soccer association football <laughs> What is that? Um, yeah, so that's probably is that what they call it—the beautiful game or something like that? Yeah, they do. They do apparently, yeah. and it can be. You know, so. yeah. Every so time I watch, I got to be honest, Doug. Every time I watch yeah. soccer, it's like one to nothing. It's boring. Oh really? Oh why? Okay. I think it's boring, right? One to nothing. You watch it. Oh, yeah, but it's the anticipation of the goal. You, you, you know, you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it, and it finally happens. You see, you know, <laughs> that's where that's the build up. But um, and to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of most English sports either. I'm not a cricket fan. I'm not particularly a rugby fan. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, team team sports in general. I'm probably 
not a fan of that most people are. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, question number 10. This is our final question. What's the best advice that you've been given about the pro wrestling business? And if you recall, who gave you the advice? Oh, that's a good question, actually. What's the best piece of advice I've given? Uh, yeah, it was probably, probably by, I can't remember if it was Brookside, Robbie Brookside or, or Tony Sinclair. One of those always used to say that wrestling is about holds. So if you're ever in a, if you're ever stuck for anything to do, always go back to the holds. If you ever get injured, go back to holds. You know, if, you, if your opponent is causing you problems, always take them down in a hold. Because yeah. wrestling is about putting holds on and people fighting out of it. So if you're ever struggling for anything else, remember that, go back to your wrestling, go back to what it ultimately is um, and bring it down to there until, until you've got that control of whatever, whatever situation you're in. And that's probably probably the, the one piece of advice that I kind of stuck to throughout my career. If you're ever in trouble with anything, you can take a hold, have a breather, think about what's, what, what you need to do and then carry on. Um, and, I, you know, the modern style kind of steps away from that. There's less holds nowadays. I, I think people think they're boring putting holds on. Yep. It's all about how you work it, isn't it? It's about how you work the hold. Just putting out the illusion of the struggle, trying to escape it and all that sort of thing is something that you can build into the story and make it interesting. But it's something that's crept away, about, away from that a little bit. Um, but I think that's quite a good thing about pure wrestling is it does try and bring it back to what wrestling ultimately is and that is exchanging holds and, and putting on holds and, and working. Um, yeah, so that's probably it. That's probably my one bit of advice I was given that I've always sort of stuck by seeing me in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're 100% yeah. right as we've talked about throughout this uh, podcast. It's, you know, the pure wrestling style and technical wrestling if done correctly, um, mm. yeah, I mean, anybody, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, you know, everybody doesn't, everybody has different tastes, right? Not everybody's going to like everything, but I think if you really appreciate uh, good wrestling, the art form of it, and yeah, holds, holds and chain wrestling and all those things, if done correctly, mm. uh, can be very exciting and tell a great story. And, um, you know, luckily we have the pure division here in Ring of Honor where we can do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, good. Doug, that's the end of 10 questions. Uh, we've come to the end. Uh, I have no more questions for you, except uh, where can people follow you on social media? So um, first and foremost, Instagram, which is at Doug Williams GB. Please go and follow me on there. I'm trying to build up the Instagram following. Um, and then on Twitter, it's at Doug Williams UK. Uh, I'll post all my dates on there, all my bookings where I'm appearing. Um, Instagram I use more it, I advertise shows on there obviously a promotional tool and also have some you know retrospectives of my career I've got pictures from the past and interesting things like that so uh, yeah Instagram Doug Williams GB uh, Twitter Doug Williams UK Outstanding I'll throw in one more plug there again I mentioned it earlier in the show if you want to see uh, the Wrestle Carnival show which featured matches with uh, Doug Williams uh, Joe Hendry, Session Moth Martina. Uh, we aired those three matches on ROH week by week. It's available on YouTube. So go check that out as well. 
Uh, Doug, Matt, thanks so much uh, for joining me today, being so generous with your time. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. No problem, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it too. It was uh, Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Well, certainly my pleasure. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.